Evidence and Answers. There are compelling reasons and evidence for our faith in Christ. Jesus and the apostles presented compelling evidence and reasoned arguments persuading people to believe. However, you may often present your case for Christ, but find that your argument does not convince your audience. Why do good arguments fail? How do we construct solid arguments? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucrin. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat presents part two of a message he delivered at a conference held at the Wintersburg Presbyterian Church in Los Angeles, California, entitled Constructing Your Case. In this seminar, he presents practical ways to construct good arguments and explains why good arguments sometimes fail. Let's join Pat now as he presents practical ways to building a compelling case for Christ. Good arguments and apologetics can get a person to believe that Christianity may be true. But to get it to travel from the head to the heart, to get the person to believe in Christianity and surrender their life to Christ, that is a heart issue. That is a matter of the will. And that is where the Holy Spirit comes in. So the saying is true. You can get a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. But you can certainly salt his oats, right? When you answer their questions, when you present compelling evidence and reasons to believe, often you spark their curiosity, right? And they often want more information. And they're willing to dialogue with you more. I remember speaking with our good friend the other day at the restaurant. And at the end of the conversation, you know, I said, man, this was a great conversation. I really liked it because, man, you really are a good thinker. You've thought about these things. And he said, you know, he said, you're the only guy I can ask these questions to. Because when I show up to these Bible studies or whatever at my church, they kick me out. Or they tell me, you know, quit asking these questions. Your questions aren't welcome here. He said, you're really the first guy I can sit down and honestly ask these kinds of questions. And I said, Shame on those people. God wants us to question. God wants us to ask. He said, come, let us reason together. I said, Christians should welcome questions. And the more you ask, and if I can't answer those questions, it's a great opportunity for me to continue to learn and grow in my faith in Jesus Christ. Get the horse to the water, but you can't make him drink but you can certainly salt his oats. You can whet his appetite to want more. And when you can show there are powerful, compelling reasons to believe in Jesus Christ, that Christianity offers the best answers to the struggles and the questions of life that you are asking, you certainly intrigue them to seek and discover and find out more. Well, how do you become someone who can present good arguments and a good defense for the Christian faith. Some people are ready for the gospel and when you present the gospel they're eager to hear. In cases where they are not, you'll have to build your case. And how do we become a tool in the master's hand? Well, there's no shortcuts about it. Okay? It takes hard work to become a tool in the master's hand. Okay? It takes a lot of hard work 
but think about it from God's perspective, okay? A lot of people ask or wonder, you know, how is it that I get opportunities to go around the world and share the gospel and defend the gospel all over the world? How does that happen? And my honest answer is, well, I don't really know, okay? But think about it this way. If you're God and you want these people in another country or another area to hear a compelling case for the gospel of Jesus Christ and you want them to hear the evidence for Christ and be given good reasons why they should believe and come to a saving knowledge of your son Jesus Christ, who do you want to send over there? You want to send best person who is studied, who is prepared himself or herself and can present a good case for your son Jesus Christ. That's the person you're going to put and send into those kinds of situations, right? If you're a football coach, who do you want in the game? You want the guy slacking off at practice who doesn't know much of the plays, who hasn't honed his skills for his position? No, you want the guy in there who works out hard, who studies, who knows his position. That's the guy you want in that particular situation in the game. So the more we are prepared, the more God can use us as a tool in his hand in reaching lost people for Christ, not only here, but all over the world. Well, first, you need to understand the culture and the times that we are in. Therefore, you need to understand worldviews. Naturalism or atheism is the dominant worldview of our time. Our culture views our faith in Christ as an irrelevant religion of myths from a bygone era. Therefore, in our day, in post-Christian times, in order to engage a culture for Christ effectively, apologetics is key. And understanding the worldview of our culture is absolutely key. And perhaps the best book on that I have listed there is by James Sire, The Universe Next Door. Next, because atheism or naturalism is the dominant worldview, we need to be prepared to present a case for the existence of God. And one of the best books out there, it's one of the most readable and understandable, is The Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel. Then the most attacked book, of course, are the four Gospels. And a great way to prepare for that is to read a classic book, a short book, by F.F. F. Bruce called The New Testament Documents, Are They Reliable? One event that is most attacked, of course, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of the best books on the resurrection is The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And then... The question that most atheists are going to challenge you with is the problem of evil and suffering. How does the good God allow evil and suffering in the world? And perhaps one of the best books on that is the classic by C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain. Now, there are also resources that cover all of these topics. Okay? Books on just general apologetics that cover all of these topics and more. Okay, and may I recommend to you one of the best, unless I see, but hopefully someone you know. Okay, another good one, if you're just starting out in this area, it's the one I read over 30 years ago. It's Know Why You Believe by Paul Little. 
And then another one out there is by my mentor, Norman Geisler, called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Then you also want to get a good handle on Christian theology, all right, understanding what you believe. Most attacks are misunderstandings of biblical teachings and biblical theology. For example, when I was at Cornell University, the very first question that was asked of me in the lines then, how can a good God torture people in hell forever? And my answer was, God does not torture people in hell. The Bible does not say that. It says the people in hell are in torment. Okay, big difference. Torture is inflicted from the outside. Torment comes from within. The people in hell are in torment because they are separated from God. And the fires of the pain that they feel are coming from within, knowing the choice that they have made to reject God. All that is good, all the love and joy and wonder that life and eternal life was ever meant to be is lost forever. So they are in torment. God is not torturing them. But here are some great books on theology. The one that I use in my class is 20 Basics, Every Christian Should Know by Wayne Grudem. The other one that I also use is Basic Theology by Charles Ryrie. Now, presenting good arguments, have a clear and concise statement that is true, make no logical errors, back up your premises with facts, anticipate and be able to answer the questions, and draw valid conclusions, and have realistic goals. Okay? Unrealistic goals are that there is a silver bullet okay, that'll answer the question and bring that atheist or that skeptic to Christ. Okay? No, there's no silver bullet answer. Or I will answer all objections and leave the other person 100% sure. No, that's a standard. Okay? That's an impossible standard. You need to set realistic goals. And often, as I mentioned, evangelism is a process. Our goal is to get them one step closer. You don't always have to hit the home run. You just bring them one step closer. Okay, that makes evangelism a whole lot less intimidating. Often what you want to do is leave them with a thought. Leave them with that pebble in their shoe okay, that they're going to think about and it will continue to bother them. And hopefully they will go out and seek answers to the issues that you brought up to them. Now, we are in a seminar. So, I'm leaving a few minutes open for questions. If you have any questions, now is the time to ask on anything we covered or other issues that you may have related to the Bible or apologetics. Yes. Outstanding question. Do you have a good way, Jesus said a prophet is not accepted in his hometown, do you have a good way of sharing Christ with members of your family? Yes. Okay, now, there's a scale here when it comes to verbal communication of the gospel, okay? Some believe you don't have to talk, all you have to do is walk, all right? You just live out your faith, and people will come and ask you and, and come to Christ. And there's others who say, no, you've got to share the gospel. Well, which one is it? Well, we have them both in the New Testament, right? Paul writes in Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season, okay? 
And in Acts, you know, wherever Paul is going, he seems to be just laying out the gospel wherever he goes. But then you read in 1 Peter, it talks about wives. If you are married to an unbelieving spouse, it says here, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, of imperishable beauty, a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in God's sight. And it talks about how by your conduct, it says here, that even if some of them do not obey the word of God, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So here it says, unbelieving husbands may be won to Christ by their wives without them saying a word by their conduct. Well, which one is it? You know? Well, there's a scale here. Okay? There's a scale here. And the scale goes like this. The less contact you have with the person, it's going to be more talk than walk. The more contact you have with the person, it's going to be more walk than talk. Okay? So, for example, if there's a person you see on the plane, it's going to be all talk. All right? You're going to share the gospel with them, and that may be the only time you see them. All right? But if you're working with people every single day, you don't have to sit there and try to share the gospel with them every single time you see them at work. Right? You're going to be like the uh, unwanted salesman. Right? When you walk in the room, they're going to be, oh, no, here he comes, he's going to preach at us. Oh, no. All right? And every day you sit down there and try to ram the gospel down their throat. Well, in this case, because you're going to see them a lot, it's more walk than talk. Okay? You'll get to share the gospel here and there, but most of it, it's by your conduct they're going to see you. So when it comes to family members, I learned it's often more walk than talk. Because they see you every day, you need to share the gospel once in a while, but a lot more is going to be just their observation of you, your changed lifestyle and your conduct, and how real is Jesus Christ and God in your life. So when it comes to family, it may be more walk, less talk. I remember when I became a Christian, man, I used to preach to my mom and dad every single day. You know, I used to get so mad all the time. Well, finally, when I learned this principle, you know, now I realize, okay, I don't have to share the gospel with them every time I see them. Now it's more walk than talk. You know, they're observing, you know, who are my friends now? How has my character changed? How do I handle the tough times? How real is Jesus Christ in my life? What difference has he made? So it's more walk than talk. So when it comes to family, it'll be more walk than talk. And so remember, evangelism is a process. As they see your changed life, as they see the reality of God in your life, they'll begin to be drawn more towards him by your conduct and your actions. So it all depends on how much contact you have. And with your family, because you have a lot of contact, it'll be more walk than talk. Yes. One of the top experts in the world, his name is Robert Spencer. And he's a believer in Christ. And he has a book called The Politically Incorrect Guide to Islam and the Crusades. Okay? And that's a very outstanding book. Or you can listen to my interview with him on my website, Evidence and Answers. Okay? And basically... You know, he goes through history. What instigated the Crusades? Did the Christians say, hey, let's go kill some Muslims, you know? No. For 400 years, Muslims just wiped out Christianity. The center of the Christian world in learning was Alexandria, Egypt. 
That's where the great Augustine is from. That's where the great library of Alexandria is. North Africa was a pretty much a Christian region. What happened? Well, they just got slaughtered and wiped out, and the great libraries of Alexandria were burned to the ground, and they're lost forever. The next great center of Christianity was Antioch. What happened there? Well, Muslims just came and wiped them all out and nearly wiped out Christianity from that region. Well, then the capital of the Christian world was where? Constantinople, Turkey. What happened? Well, the Muslims went in there and just wiped out all the Christians, burned down all the churches, renamed the city to Istanbul. And it's finally when the bishop of Constantinople finally called for help. That's what started the Crusades. All right. So anyway, he goes through that and gives you the history of the Crusades. Very outstanding book. And the Crusades only lasted a hundred years. You know, that's minuscule in time. You know, Christianity has been around for 2,000 years. All right. Whereas jihad has been around for 1,500 years and continues to this day. That's the primary way Islam was spread throughout the world. So big difference, big difference. Okay? And, you know, we can point to biblical passages where it clearly shows killing in the name of Christ goes against everything that was taught in the Gospels and by Jesus Christ. Can you do that with the Quran? No, you can't, you know. Okay? So... There's a big difference there. But Robert Spencer's book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Islam and the Crusades, is an outstanding book, and he's one of the top experts on Islam in our country. Any others? Come on, I'm sure. There are. Yes. Gently tell someone that not all paths lead to heaven. Well, basically, you need to know a little bit about the world religions and be able to show that at the basic fundamental levels, we're teaching contradictory things. Okay? Buddhism says there is no God. God is completely irrelevant in the Buddhist system. So is there a God or is there no God? Both can't be true at the same time in the same way. Hinduism teaches that God is an impersonal force, an energy made up of everything in the universe. Is God the universe or is God the creator and separate from the universe? I mean, both can't be right at the same time. So if you just show a little bit of the basics, so it doesn't take much study. There's our book on world religions there that talk about how to share with a pluralist. Just a simple study of the world religions show we're not all teaching the same thing. They cannot all be true at the same time in the same way. Next, Jesus taught against it. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made that claim and confirm that claim as true, predicting and accomplishing his own resurrection from the dead. No other person in history world has ever done that. No Hindu holy man has raised himself from the dead. Buddha, he's dead. His grave is in northern India there. You know, Confucius, his grave is in northern China. Muhammad died. Only Christ prophesied and accomplished his own resurrection affirming what he said then is true. He is the only way to eternal life, and he confirmed it through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. Okay, so that's probably the best way to tell someone that believes all roads lead to heaven. Okay, any more? Yes. Good question. Well, when Jesus said what? If someone strikes you on right cheek, turn and give him your other cheek as well. Well, 
What was Jesus saying there? If I come up to you, and Jesus was talking about a backhanded slap, okay? If I come up to you and I know that you're a Christian and I slap you in the face like that, what am I doing? What am I saying? Yeah, I despise you. I mock you. Because you're a Christian, I despise you. All right? That's what I'm saying. And Jesus said, if you're despised for the sake of Christ, then turn the other cheek. Okay, but that's a lot different from a guy coming up to you with a knife, okay, and wanting to attack your wife or you. If a guy's coming with a knife and he's going to harm your wife or kids, I hope you don't go over there and turn the other cheek, okay, or say, oh, I'll kill the other kid too. No, that makes, that makes no sense, all right? So what Christ was talking about, yeah, if you're despised and ridiculed for my name's sake, okay, turn the other cheek, okay? And that's also on a personal, relational level, not a national level. So, yeah, self-defense is indeed warranted in the Bible. And so when it talks about turn the other cheek, that's what he's talking about when you're despised for the sake of Christ, not when you're being attacked by a knife, you know, or anything like that. All right, yes. Yeah, definitely I wouldn't have been so harsh. I would have just said, you know, now when someone asks me that, I usually say, well, that's a really tough thing for me because a lot of my family members have died without Christ. And, man, it's a painful thing to think I may never, ever see them again. But this is the truth of God's Word. And, you know, truth isn't always easy to believe. Sometimes it's hard. And this is what Jesus taught. So often I'll say that, hey, I struggle with that too. And when you do that, you know, you're often putting yourself, you know, with the other person and saying, that's a great question. I also struggle with that too. And you're just being honest with that person. And they often appreciate that. So, yeah, that's how I would have done it differently. You know, when I was sitting in that office, rethinking how I would have said that, you know, I finally came to that conclusion that I've got to be a lot more gentle, a lot more humble on this one. And so, yeah, it was a great lesson for me to learn. But that's how I would address that. Yes? Reasons to Believe is a science organization. There's three views regarding the age of the earth. And that will be our, one of our topics at the Hawaii Apologetics Conference. There are three views on the age of the earth by Christians. One is called theistic evolution. Okay, that... God used Darwinian evolutionary means to produce the origin and diversity of life. Okay, theistic evolution. I don't particularly hold to that. I think that's a tough one to hold biblically and even scientifically. Okay, the next one is young earth creationism. Okay, that the Bible says, you know, the earth is created in literally, you know, six 24-hour days and our universe is therefore six to 10,000 years old. Okay. That would be Institute of Creation Science, ICR, that particular organization. And they're a very good organization. Okay. And then the third position that a lot of people don't know about, and that's the reasons to believe position. It's called Old Earth Creationism. Okay. They reject theistic evolution. Some of the best arguments against Darwinian evolutionary theory come from Old Earth Creationists. Bill Dembski, you know. Specified complexity. Michael Behe, irreducible complexity. You got some of the best guys coming there. So it's a very outstanding organization. But they come from an old earth creationist perspective. Not only, and biblically, they have a valid case. 
that the days in Genesis could be six distinct periods of time. And they present some pretty good, there's some pretty good valid reasons. Some of the best Old Testament scholars hold to that position. So it's a valid position. So theistic evolution, nah, kind of shaky on that one. Young earth creation and old earth creation, I think those are more biblically and scientifically consistent positions. And so reasons to believe would be, a, I think, a great organization. And in fact, at our conference, Paul Nelson from the University of Chicago is speaking. He's a young earth creationist. And Fuzz Rana, he's an old earth creationist. He's coming from reasons to believe to speak. And you're going to see that old earth creationists and young earth creationists have a lot in common. They have a lot in common. So we can be allies in the war for the existence of God and the defense of the gospel. Okay? All right. Well, thank you very much. I hope that the studies have made you a more skilled communicator of God's message. And just remember this. Okay? A Christian empowered by the Holy Spirit with a heart motivated by love who can communicate truth is a powerful instrument in the tool of the master. May that be true of us, each one of us today. Thank you very much. Mm. This concludes Pat's message on constructing your case. If you missed any part of Pat's study, log on at evidenceandanswers.org and you can listen to the entire message along with other studies and interviews from Pat. Pat's ministry with the Pacific Apologetics Center relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by the message today, would you please let Pat know and consider partnering with him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. This will help keep Pat on the air and allow him to proclaim God's message throughout the islands. So please consider partnering with him today by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Join us again next week, right here, for more of evidence and answers.